I want to take you to Joshua chapter 24, verses 14 and 15. And I'm reading from the New King James. You can follow along with us on the screen or, or read what you have available there to you. The Word of God says as follows, Now therefore fear the Lord. Serve him in sincerity and in truth. And put away the gods which your fathers served on the other side of the river and in Egypt. Serve the Lord. And if it seems evil to you to serve the Lord, choose for yourself this day whom you will serve. Whether the gods which your fathers served that were on the other side of the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. I want to preach to you for a few moments with the help of the Lord from the simple subject, a family that serves together. A family that serves together. The vision here of PFAC is that together we advance in our mission. There's something beautiful about being united, about being together. For the sake of our time, I want to really focus on what it means to be a family that serves together. From the beginning of our Bible, in the Old Testament, to the very last page, you will see God calling his people to serve him. Whether it was through Moses in Deuteronomy, or Joshua here in chapter 24, the verses that we read, or the psalmist David in the Psalms, even the Apostle Paul in the New Testament in his epistles, we are admonished to serve God. One way that we serve God is by serving people. I'll say that again. It's not the only way, but it's one of the ways that you and I can effectively serve God by serving others. I like the way Jesus put it in Matthew chapter 25. And verse number 40, towards the end of the verse, he says this, Assuredly, I say to you, inasmuch as you did it to one of the least of these, my brethren, you did it to me. What is he saying here? Very simply, he's saying what we give to others, Jesus sees it as giving to him. That's literally what he's saying. He's saying that if you're going to serve me, one of the best ways that you can do that is by serving others. He wants us to understand that every act of service, every act of generosity, everything that we give to someone, Jesus says, even to the very least that you give, you're giving it like if you were giving it to me. So the takeaway from this is the first thing I want you to notice here, and that is we have been called to serve God by serving people. If we are truly going to serve God, the outflow of my service to God will be that I'm willing to serve others. There's a, a, an idea, unfortunately it's not correct, and it's simply that, well, I just serve God. I, I don't need to go to church, I don't need to serve other people. My service is directly to God. But Jesus explicitly says that that way that you serve God is by serving other people. There's no greater joy than to be able to serve God this way, by reaching outside of yourself. And I wholeheartedly agree with what our assistant pastor just stated a few moments ago, that there comes a point in your Christian life, there comes a point in your relationship with God, that after God has restored you, after God has blessed you, after God has filled you with purpose and power, then you got to take the next step of service. You say, I've received, I've been blessed, I've been touched by God. God has saved me, he's washed me in his blood, he's filled me with his spirit. Maybe he's restored me back to a place that I thought I had lost. And after all of that happens, then something inside of you says, now I've got to do something for others. It's a sign of maturity. It's a sign of growth. We see it as parents. There's a moment where our children then begin to feed themselves. We've willingly fed them. We've willingly helped them as, as they're growing and developing and learning the world around them. But there's a moment of growth when they can start doing things for themselves. 
And all of a sudden, they look outside themselves and notice it's just not about me. It's a sign of growth. It's a sign of maturity. It's the same thing in the church of Jesus Christ. You and I will know that we're growing. You and I will know that we're maturing when we realize, wait a minute, there's something I can do for somebody else. It's not just about me. It's not just about what I'm dealing with or what I'm going through. I'm choosing now to take that step of growth and serve God by serving others. Can I say today that there's no greater joy than be able to serve God this way than to serve God with your family. Somebody say my family. This is, in my opinion, the greatest ministry team. In the New Testament, ministry was always performed by a team. You will not see anybody in the New Testament ministering or serving by themselves. It was always done by a team. We see this exemplified in the life and ministry of Jesus, as well as in the early church. Today, ministry is still done by teams. However, one of the most powerful teams is the family. In fact, before God ever established a church, he established the home, the family. Before there's ever mention in your Bible of a church, God first joins Adam with Eve and creates the very first family to show you in God's mind what is the ultimate priority. That is the home, the family. So when God calls us, to serve him specifically in the church. I believe he intends it to be a family thing. This is something that I'm very, very convicted and convinced about. Even prior to becoming the pastor of this church. I feel very strongly about serving being a family thing. It should be our desire that our children serve alongside us. Or maybe when they come of age, that they follow in our footsteps of service. So today I want to lay a biblical foundation for this. And encourage all of us that are here present to be a family that serves together. Let me give you the first thing that I want us to see today. Number one, I want us to see how serving can impact our home. Go with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 16 and verse number 19. This is what Paul says to the church in Corinth. He says, the churches of Asia greet you. Achilla and Priscilla greet you heartily in the Lord with the church that is in their house. Priscilla and Achilla were a husband and wife ministry team. They were fellow laborers in the ministry of Jesus Christ with the Apostle Paul. And so when the Apostle Paul makes reference to them, you'll see it throughout his epistles. It's always to the both of them. It's obvious that they not only shared the burden of ministry, but the responsibility of ministry as well. Paul trusted this couple so much that he left the work of Ephesus in their hands. Even in Acts 18, 24 through 26, we see how they took Apollos, who at that time was a mighty evangelist, but was only familiar with the idea of baptism and the message of John the Baptist. And your Bible says that both of them, Priscilla and Aquila, explained the complete doctrine of Christ to him. The scriptures would allow us to see that they were both responsible for the indoctrination and preparation of Apollos. Now this is not a Bible college class because if it was a Bible college class, I would tell you that ministry is not just a husband thing. Ministry is not just a wife thing, but it's a couple thing. And there's this idea that, well, well, I'm just supporting my wife's ministry and, or I'm just supporting my husband's ministry. Can I tell you, you both are called to ministry. 
You both are called to serve God together, side by side, advancing the kingdom, making a difference for Jesus. My prayer in parentheses and all of this is that God would also raise up married couples here at PFAC that will plug into their purpose, that will serve God together, that will say God brought us together as husband and wife more than just to be married, more than just to have a family, but to minister and advance the kingdom of God. I wasn't trying to get into this, but I feel the Holy Ghost pushing me there. This is something I would love to see happen in your life, you and your spouse, that you make up in your mind. We just didn't get married to make a lot of money and and try to build a life together. But in that life, there's a purpose that we have to fulfill. That's why young man, young lady, you got to be careful who you marry. Man, this is not in my notes and I don't got time, but let's just park the bus here a while and see what happens. That's why you got to be careful who you're married because your purpose has got to be connected. Well, we're compatible, Pastor. We like the same things. That's wonderful. Everybody likes cheeseburgers. Everybody likes ice cream. It's not enough to like the same things. You got to be united in purpose. You can't be going in separate directions and feel like once we get married, he'll figure it out. Once we get married, she'll come on my side. No, you got to have a same purpose. And when God brings you together, he brings you together to fulfill a purpose together. Someone say together. That's what I loved about my wife when I first met her was that she was a young lady that had a purpose. She was passionate about her purpose. She didn't need me to fulfill her purpose. She already had a purpose. And that attracted to me, to, to her, was that she was motivated. She had goals. Before she ever met me, she had goals. She had a, a purpose that God had called her to. It was one of the most attractive qualities about her. And so I began to get to know her and begin to see her, that she was devoted to the things of God and wanted to serve God with her whole life wherever it took her. And I said, man, that's a woman that I got to marry. Why? Because I was a young man that was motivated with purpose. I was a young man that was passionate about fulfilling the assignment that God had given me. And so when God brought us together, we took off. We hit the ground running, and together as a young married couple, we traveled the United States of America, ministering to young people, preaching and ministering, and serving even in this local church. We were 21 years old, and I was the assistant pastor, and she was my wife. We weren't worried about, well, I wonder what one of these days we'll find our purpose. No, I had a purpose, and she had a purpose, and we got married and became a couple of purpose. I'm trying to help somebody today. This this is good stuff. You can't find this in a book. This this will help your life. We get young people that don't know where they're going and they get married. And what happens? You have a married couple that doesn't know where they're going. We got single adults that have no purpose. And they think, man, when I get married, I'm going to find my purpose. If you don't have one now, marriage is not going to fix it. You get a married couple that doesn't know their purpose. Let's have some kids. Oh, God, this is so good. I'm I'm just trying to help you. I'm just trying to help you. Because I deal with marriages and couples that don't know where they're going. And it all started because there were young people that didn't know where they were going. Let's add some kids to the mix, right? Because kids just make everything easier. If we have some kids, then we'll feel fulfilled. And then our house will get in order. Yeah, right. Parents are laughing because you know what I'm talking about. It has to do with purpose. Someone say purpose. And you need a purpose as a married couple. And then guess what happens when a married couple has purpose? Then a family has purpose. 
Then children grow up in a home that has purpose, has direction. They know where they're headed. They know where the goals are. They know what pleases God because their parents are after the same thing. And the children as well develop a sense of purpose. Maybe I don't know everything that God is calling me to do, but I've got a sense of purpose. I realize that these things don't match my purpose. These kind of people won't help me fulfill my purpose. These kinds of lifestyles don't complete and connect with my purpose. Let me get back to my message. We took a side road there. And so Priscilla and Aquila, excuse me, exemplify what a New Testament ministry couple should be. This couple exemplified commitment, unity, and were trustworthy. And Paul mentions here something very, very enlightening in 1 Corinthians 16. Not only did this couple have purpose, not only were they committed to one another and to the cause of Christ, they had a church in their home. Now, we don't know if they had any children because the scripture doesn't mention it. Without a doubt, we know they had spiritual children. But what impacts me the most is that their service to God was not just something they did outside their home. Service was not a place for them. It was a lifestyle. Well, we go and serve on Sundays and we go and serve on Thursdays. For them, it was the way they lived. It wasn't something that they did a couple of times a week. It was something that they were all about. They served the Lord so much that it followed them home. Wouldn't you like that for your family, your life? That your service to God here in the church will follow you home as well? And the church that was established in that city, they felt that there was no more a comfortable place to have service than in the home of this family. They said, hey, if we're going to start a church, it needs to be in their house. Because these people are sold out to service. And so their home then became the church of that particular community. What am I trying to say? That when we are truly dedicated to the service of the Lord, it will follow us home. When I'm truly sold out for Jesus, it's not just something I do on Thursdays. It's not just something I do on Sundays. That's not something I do every once in a while. When I'm sold out to Jesus, it's something I do every single day. I'm just as passionate about Jesus when I stand behind this pulpit as when I'm at home. I'm dedicated to Jesus as much as I stand here on 7th Street and Baseline or in my home. Why? It's something that we are. It's the way that we live. It's what we're all about. When you live that way, it becomes not just something we do, but something that we are. Each one of us should desire that our service to God impact our home. That we be a family that serves the Lord together. The greatest place to teach and learn ministry is in the home. It's not the church. The greatest place where you learn ministry is at home. The disciplines that I learned the dedication that I learned, the passion for the things of God that I learned, I learned from observing my parents at home. That passion and that enthusiasm is contagious. And it got a hold of my life. And I'm praying that the same passion and the same enthusiasm gets transferred to my children and they also get excited about serving the Lord. It starts at home. Someone say it starts at home. So if here at PFAC, if we're going to develop a culture in our church here of service, this is the blessed place where it begins, the home. What we model every day of our lives becomes the culture and temperature of our home. If we model a relationship with Jesus at home, our children will then develop a relationship with Jesus at home. If we develop a spirit-led lifestyle where everything we do is led by the spirit, dictated by the spirit, every decision that we make is guiding, has been guided by the spirit, then guess what happens? Our children, they begin to understand that's the way we make decisions.
We pray. We seek the Lord. We follow his guidance. Because what we model, it becomes the temperature of our home. So my encouragement to every single one of us today is let's model serving God by serving others. This type of living has a way of impacting our homes. I'm not talking about just being church members. I'm not talking about just coming here to church. I'm talking about a lifestyle of service. So... We see here that serving impacts our home. Number two, I want us to look at a legacy of service. A few years ago, I heard someone say, we'll be known forever by the tracks we leave behind. There was no one more convinced about the power of leaving a legacy than the Apostle Paul. In the book of 2 Timothy, you will find Paul's last words of instruction to his disciple and spiritual son Timothy. From what we can gather from the scriptures, Timothy's father was a Gentile who was really not in the picture. So Paul, the apostle in a spiritual sense, adopts Timothy and begins to speak into his life. And so Paul is now at the end of his ministerial journey. He's preparing to leave a legacy of ministry to his spiritual son. And so he gives Timothy some words of encouragement for continuing his legacy of service. And look what he tells him. Go with me to 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 10 and 14. He says, but you have carefully followed my doctrine, manner of life, purpose, faith, long-suffering, love, and perseverance. Stop right there. Paul was saying, you've observed these qualities in my life. And you have followed after them yourself. So Timothy, I'm leaving you this legacy. These things that you have learned from me, I want you to continue. That's what exactly what he says. Jump now with me to verse 14. He says, but you must continue in the things which you have learned and been assured of, knowing from whom you have learned them. What is he saying? He's pretty much saying, Timothy, don't forget what you've learned. I'm not always going to be around, Timothy. I'm actually feeling the end is coming very close, but you've been following my example. You've seen these qualities in me. And so I'm asking you, Timothy, to continue in what you've learned and been assured of, knowing whom you have received them from. Paul is telling Timothy, you've learned from my example. Paul's message to Timothy was not words, but his life. We live in a time where everything is now just words. Social media, just words. People can say whatever they want. It's a free country. We're all entitled to our opinion and freedom of speech. I get all of that. But words are not necessarily what you're about. It's your life that will always speak louder than your words. And so Paul was able to instruct Timothy in this way because Timothy knew it's not just words that my spiritual father is saying. It's not just words that my mentor is telling me. I've observed them in his life. And so now Timothy says, I've got to continue what I have learned from what I have seen. Because actions always speak louder than words. People don't hear what we say. They see what we say. Our life is our message. And Paul is confident that Timothy's life has been impacted by his example. What does it have to do with you and me today? Can I tell you, people around us, specifically our children, will follow our example. We can tell our children so many things. As parents, we should. But more than our words is our example. What do they observe in us? What do they see in us? Well, well, do what I say, not as I do. doesn't work. Our kids become carbon copies of who we are. How we react to difficulty. How we respond to crisis. 
how we face challenges, how we make decisions, how we connect with other people. And so they follow our example. They will do the things they see us do. What we love and value, guess what? They begin to love and value. When it, as soon as there's a game on the TV in my house, my little twins are asking me, Daddy, who's our team? And if the Lakers are playing, I say, for sure it's not them. We're cheering for the other guys. I don't even know who they are, but we're cheering for the other guys. Why? Because they want to know what daddy loves. And so what daddy loves, we're going to love. And we see that in a practical sense. But guess what? It happens in our values. When we make up our minds, mom and dad, to love God with everything, guess what? Our children will come to the point where they themselves will also want to love God with everything. When we make God's house a priority, guess what? As they get to choose, the house of God will be their priority. If we make serving a priority, guess what? They'll also want to serve as well. What we value, they value. And what we fall in love with, they fall in love with. What is a priority to us will ultimately become a priority to them. Let me sow this into your heart today. Our job as leaders, as parents, is to model a lifestyle of service. That's our job, to model it, to show them that we serve God, we serve others, we live for the service of others. We do this, yes, with our lives, but you also can do it with your words. I remember... In our home, my parents, I never heard my dad ever say, this is my ministry. Never. I never heard him say, you guys got to do this because it's my calling. The bishop, he would always tell us, this is our ministry. This was our calling. And so when I was nine years old, we were in a church in Glendale, Arizona, a wonderful church. At that time, it was an all-English-speaking church. We loved it. Started having our early moments with God in that church. I was dedicated at the altar of that church. My grandparents and my parents, alongside the pastor before them, helped build that church. It was a wonderful church, wonderful group of people. And, and the Lord brought us here to PFAC at nine years old. I remember thinking, man, but, but this is our church over here. Why, why are we moving? And I remember my dad telling us, because God called us to Phoenix. So as a nine-year-old kid, not understanding all the calling of God was, I'm the pastor of the church, I still barely understand what the calling of God was. But I remember my dad looked at me at nine years old and said, we're called to Phoenix. So we got to go to Phoenix. So we left that beautiful church there in Glendale and came here and fell in love with this church and this people. Because my parents taught us, it's ours. It's our calling. It's our ministry. And now our bishop and his wife are in another season of their life. And here we stand by the very mercy and grace of God before you. Why? Because I had parents that taught us it's ours. And so mom and dad, don't, it's not a surprise if our kids don't want to get involved and don't want to serve. Because they feel like it's yours and not theirs. The goal for your pastor, the goal for this man of God is that my children grow up and say this is their church. Not mom and dad's church, not my grandparents' church, but that they develop here at PVC and say, that's my church. Those are my people. That's my place that I serve. That's where I have given my life. That's my goal. Mom and dad, that should be your goal as well. Yes, you've gotten saved here. Yes, you've gotten delivered here. Yes, you've been restored here. But let's impress upon our children that this can also be their church. And this can be a place where they can develop, where they can grow, and where they can serve. My parents modeled this. We followed their example. And Paul tells Timothy... In 2 Timothy 1 and 5, he reminds him. I don't, we don't really know, but I can kind of assume, and maybe it's a big assumption, 
that Timothy was having a discouraging moment. We don't know, obviously, the lengths to what he was dealing with. But I can imagine that Timothy maybe got a little discouraged. And so Paul sees and feels and maybe hears about Timothy's discouragement. So he writes this letter, and here he says in verse number 5 of 2 Timothy 1, When I call to remembrance the genuine faith that is in you, which thou first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and I am persuaded is in you also. He's saying, Timothy, let me remind you, you've got a genuine faith. You got your own faith. Oh, yeah. It was first in your grandmother. She exemplified that kind of faith. And oh, your mother, she's also a woman of faith. He says, but I'm persuaded it's in you also. Timothy was surrounded by great examples of faith and service. And now Timothy is a young pastor trying to build up the church and trying to serve people. He learned his example of faithfulness and service at home. And so my desire for every single one of us is that we take this home with us and we make up in our minds we're going to be a family that loves God together. We're going to be a family that serves God together. We're going to be a people that lives this every single day. Our kids get confused when they see one thing here and one thing somewhere else. It brings confusion to our children when they think that this is a religious thing that we do on Sundays. It's something that we live every single day. I serve God today and I'll serve God tomorrow. I'll serve God when everything's going good, but I'll also serve him when everything's going bad. I'll serve him when I got people around me to encourage me and I'll serve him when I'm all by myself. Why? I made up in my mind that I'll serve Jesus no matter what comes all the days of my life. Paul is telling Timothy, what you have received, you received from somebody else. This legacy that we've been given didn't start with us. And it cannot end with us. Here at PFAC, we have always been blessed with amazing ministry leaders and ministry workers. Way before we ever had a say, way before we ever got into a place of leadership, this church has always had people that love the work of God. And I'm grateful to God for that. Everything you see here has been because others throughout the years have sowed have served, have supported the vision of this house. And so now we stand at this particular moment understanding that we are here because other people served so that we could be here. But it can't stay here with us. We've got to serve so that others can also come to the knowledge of Jesus Christ. It's a legacy of service. This is what this church has always been known for. Even before our bishop got here, this church is almost 90 years old. And through its history, there have been people here that have served, and they've built churches, and they've built buildings, and many people have been saved and filled with the Holy Ghost. Pastors have come out of this church. Bishops have come out of this church. Missionaries have come out of this church. People get baptized here, and they find a way to serve God somewhere else. This church has impacted generations of people through the years, and now it's our responsibility at this particular moment, at this particular time, to not stop that legacy of serving but say we'll continue to serve we'll continue to pray we'll continue to believe so that others can come to the knowledge of Jesus Christ my grandparents served in this church both my grandparents from both sides served in this church both of my grandfathers were ministers in this church my parents got married in this church Served God in this church. I got baptized in this church. Came back married to serve in this church. Dedicated all my children here at this church. This is a church of legacy. And it's a legacy of service. People that serve God with whatever gifts they have. With whatever abilities they have. 
to impact people in a, in a positive way for the honor and glory of God. This is what this church is about. Someone was serving before we got here and will be serving after we leave. But my belief is who better than to continue this great legacy of service than our children. My grandparents never got to see me become the pastor of this church. They never got to see us in this place of service. But my parents have handed this legacy to us. And it's my intention to hand it to my children and whatever it is that God has called them to do. And I'm praying that there's a mom and dad that this would ignite something inside of you. Maybe you say, well, pastor, you know, my parents were not apostolic and we're the first generation and we're the only ones serving God. Then wonderful, the legacy starts with you. I don't got that kind of background, Pastor. That's wonderful for you and good for you. But, but I come from a background of drugs and alcohol and, and, and other religions. And, and, and I, we're lost. But can I tell you, you're going to start the legacy of service so that your children and grandchildren won't know any other life than serving God, than living for him, than being useful in his kingdom. Let's start a legacy of service. Is there someone that wants to start a legacy of service in your life, in your family, in your home for future generations? As the musicians come, I'm finishing. There's a legacy of service. Number three, our greatest contribution to the kingdom of God. Go with me to Acts chapter 8, verses 4 through 8. Watch. I just want to say a foundation here for this principle. It says, therefore, those who were scattered whenever we were preaching the word. Then Philip went down to the city of Samaria and preached Christ to them. And the multitudes with one accord heeded the things spoken by Philip, hearing and seeing the miracles which he did. For unclean spirits crying with a loud voice came out of many who were possessed and many who were paralyzed and lame were healed. And there was great joy in that city. God used Philip the evangelist in a powerful way. He prayed for the sick and they were healed. He had a powerful ministry of deliverance that we can see here. Evil spirits came out of people. People were delivered. They saw the miraculous. Many were healed. And there was great joy. In other words, there was revival in that city. God used this man in an incredible way. But can I tell you, that wasn't his greatest contribution? Wait a minute, Pastor. I mean, that's something that we should all desire to be used by God like that and for people to be healed and delivered. That's wonderful. But that wasn't Philip's greatest contribution. You want to know what his greatest contribution was? Let's keep reading. Let's now go to Acts 21, verses 8 and 9. Watch this. On the next day, Acts 21 and 8, we who were Paul's companions departed and came to Caesarea and entered the house of Philip the evangelist, who was one of the seven and stayed with him. Look at verse number 9. Now this man had four virgin daughters who prophesied. This man was the cause of revival in Samaria. God used him as a vehicle to bring the message of salvation to an entire city. But the Bible here shows us what was his greatest contribution to the kingdom of God. He had four daughters who prophesied. Can I tell you, it's not so much mom and dad what you and I do. But it's that we impact our children in such a way that then they do it. That they take up the mantle of service and say, you know what? My mom and dad were always plugged into this church. We're going to plug into this church. My mom and dad always served and taught us to serve. So guess what? We are going to serve. My mom and dad got baptized in Jesus' name at this church. I want to be baptized in Jesus' name. That's our greatest contribution. I've seen God do some amazing things. I've been to a lot of places. But my desire is that my children do more. My desire 
is that I leave on this earth people that will outdo what we were ever able to accomplish in the kingdom. And I understand that as your pastor, it's not just going to be my physical children, but spiritual children that do what we do and even greater. But this was Philip's greatest contribution. Not that he preached the gospel, not that he brought revival to a city, but his greatest contribution was that his children were continued. It's one thing for us to experience the power of the Holy Spirit and be instruments in the hands of God, but it's something altogether different for our children to have this wonderful experience as well and that they be vessels fit for the Lord's use. And I'm sure that every one of us here wants to see our children experience salvation. Mom and dad, we all strive for that. We want to see our kids in the waters of baptism being baptized in his name, that's a wonderful thing, but it's only the starting point. I see too many apostolic parents go, ooh, man, thank God they're baptized. I'm done. I got bad news for you, mom and dad. You're just barely getting started. But what else do you want, pastor? I got them in the waters of baptism. It's just the starting point. Now it's to teach them how to serve God, how to love God, how to find a place of service in the kingdom. I sat with one of our leaders the other day as we were brainstorming some things for the new year and I told them, you want to know what I've learned in the years that I've been serving the Lord? That when someone serves in the church, they don't leave. When a young man or a young lady or a young married couple finds a place of service in the church, guess what? They don't have time to do anything else. They're not going to leave or walk away from God or the church. Why? Because they're serving. But people that don't serve don't have any responsibility. So they're here today and they're there tomorrow and they're somewhere else. You want to know why God kept me? Because when I was younger, my parents plugged me in to a place of service. When I was 12, 13, 14 years old, going through challenges that every preteen and teenager goes through, my parents plugged me into service. I was a drummer here in this church. I was involved in the music and involved in the choir and involved in the youth. My parents didn't let me stay home from when there was a youth activity. You're going. My poor mom was dropping juniors off at one place and young people off at another place, being the pastor's wife, being a wife, being a mother, and she was making sure that we were plugged in, me and my three sisters, that we were plugged in to every junior's activity and every youth activity and whatever it was, junior camp, they signed us all up and youth camp signed us all up. You guys aren't going to miss it. I don't care what's going on. I don't care what other extracurricular things you're doing. You're going to go to camp. You're going to get involved. I played sports. My dad said, that's great. Change, but you got to be in church church night my friends are like oh we're gonna go we're gonna go to this restaurant after the game I said I'm sorry I can't I gotta go to church and then after a while it wasn't that I had to it was that I wanted to I'm just trying to help somebody here because I'm concerned with the parents of this generation that think our kids can only do one thing that they can only be sports stars and that's it there's nothing else in their schedule and then we wonder why when they grow up, they're not sports stars. And guess what? They don't end up being Christians either. I'm just trying to help you because I'm concerned that we think it's one or the other. Either my kid gets good grades or is saved. Why can't they get good grades and be saved? Well, pastor, it's too hard. There's so much homework. Figure it out. Everybody has 24 hours in their day, and still we can be here in God's house watching our kids develop in the presence of the Lord. They can do both. I'm running out of time. I'm sorry. We need to make sure, Mom and Dad, that our children sur surrender completely to the service of the Lord. And I'm finishing. There are some that may say, well, Pastor, I want my children to go to school. I want them to make a lot of money. I want my son and my daughter to be a doctor, a lawyer, engineer, successful in business. Put them in the hands of God. And if they make a lot of money, praise God. But let's also make being servants of Jesus and workers in the kingdom and soul winners a priority as well. Where did we get the idea that it's one or the other? That's a an apostolic myth that I'm hoping to stamp out in Jesus' name. 
well, pastor, you know, I want my kid to be successful. That's why he can't come to church. He can come to church and be successful. Well, I don't want my kids to struggle like I have and, and struggle financially like I have. I want them to go to school and get educated and get good jobs and start their own business. Wonderful. I desire that for your children as well. I desire that for my children as well, but not in place of service to the Lord and making it to heaven. I want them to be educated, but also make it to heaven. I want them to be financially blessed, but also with me in the pearly gates. I want them to own their own businesses, but also so serve in the church it's not one or the other I believe they can have it all seek first the kingdom Jesus said and his righteousness and not some of the things and not one of the things he said and all these things shall be added unto you help me understand why we think well my kids are going to be either spiritual or successful. They can be both. They can be successful and they can be spiritual. They can have their extracurricular activities and they can also serve in the church. And in my house, it was and is. If anything gets in the way of that, it's gone. I remember telling my dad, I want to play football, dad. My dad was a football player, so I thought he would say, oh, yeah. But he would say, no, 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 practice days are church days. And some of the games are going to conflict with church, so you can't play basketball. But dad, I want to play sports. He says, find a sport that works with our schedule. See, there was a time where parents told their kids what they were supposed to do. It used to be that way. Someone's like, really? Wow. There was a day where parents said, this is what you're going to do. And I don't care if you like it because I'm not your friend. I'm your father. I'm your dad. I'm your parent. Make those faces. Go in the room and slam the door. That's fine. But you're going to get to heaven. We're going to honor God. We're going to please God. I don't care if your friends are doing it. I don't care what they're up to. In this house, we will serve the Lord. But pastor, he really wants to. He makes these faces when I tell him no. I used to argue with my parents about sports. I used to demand my parents do things. My dad's like, that's fine. You're still going to church. And now I look back and say, thank you. Thank you that you stood up to me when I wanted to do what my friends wanted me to do. Thank you that you told me that we couldn't do that because we're a family that serves together. And guess what? By the grace of God, I did play sports and I did have a wonderful time. I did go to college, but I also served the Lord. I also walked in my purpose. I wouldn't be your pastor today if I didn't have parents that told me this is what we're going to do. I'm calling out mom and dad today and say, mom and dad, what kind of family do you want to have? What kind of children do you want to develop? I say, let's be a family that serves together. Stand with me all over this sanctuary. Let me give you this last quote. There's your standing. Parents who are dedicated to the service of the Lord will produce children who are dedicated to the things of God. And I promise you, I, I wanted to preach about serving in the ministries, but I pray that this message will compel you to do that. But I've got a burden for the families of PFAC. And I see some of us already leaning in the wrong direction. So mom and dad, get, 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 get back. Get back on kingdom things. Get back to spiritual things get back to making serving God a priority. Let's be families that serve God together. I love to see here at PFAC families serving together. I love to see families serving in one ministry and serving in another. Involved in different things but serving the Lord together. It's beautiful. 
That to me is success. But pastor, look how much money I'm making. Wonderful, where's your children? But look at all that they're accomplishing. Wonderful, I'll celebrate their accomplishments. We want them to succeed, but never in place of them losing their soul. I pray my kids can do great things, education-wise and all these other stuff. But, but, but my priorities for them are, are a little bit higher. Forgive me, because I've seen it work. I know it can work. And so it's not good enough for me, for them, just to get good grades. It's not good enough for me, for them, just to achieve accomplishments. I want them to see, I want to see them do that and succeed here. I'm sorry. Maybe I'm asking for too much, but I believe it can happen. So mom and dad, let's make up in our mind. We're going to be a family that serves together. Would you lift up your hands to heaven right now all over the sanctuary? I feel the Holy Ghost. I feel the spirit of the living God. Let's cast our eyes a little bit higher today. Let's look a little bit higher today. Yes, our kids can be successful, but they can also make it to heaven as well. It's not one or the other. They can have both. They can be doctors and they can be lawyers and they can be business owners and they can be successful in corporate America in the marketplace. Yes, but also be apostolic. Also be washed in the blood. Also filled in the spirit. Also testifying of the goodness of God. We want our children to succeed in every aspect of life. Help us, God. Help us, Jesus, to be families that serve together. If that's what you desire today, I'm going to invite you to come and stand at this altar with your spouse, if you could, and your children, if they're next to you. If not, you just want to come your, yourself and represent your family, your children. Why don't you come? Just stand. I'm with you in the trenches, my dear brother and sister. We're not claiming that we've accomplished this. I'm just telling you what I desire and what I desire for this church. Let's be families that serve God together. That's what Joshua was saying. He was saying, as for me and my house. Why? You're not responsible for anybody else's house but your own. I understand my responsibility. But first and foremost, my primary responsibility is my home. Mom and dad, it's our house that we got to make sure serves the Lord. Oh yes, times are challenging. Oh yes, we're facing things that we've never faced before, but guess what? The Word of God is still just as powerful. The principles of Scripture still work. The Holy Ghost inside of us is still greater than anything the enemy can throw against us. The blood still has power. I said the blood still has power. Jesus can still keep us. He can still protect our children wherever they go. He can help us prosper. This is what we should desire, that we serve the Lord. Lift your hands to heaven. Those that are at this altar, those in the sanctuary, somebody watching online as well, stretch up your hands and say, Lord, help us. We don't proclaim to be there yet, Lord, but help us to be a family that serves together. Help us.